we went at it. We'd be standing there with a Bible on the table, kind of yelling at each other. <laughs> it was not the gentle kind of conversation that you would normally expect in a faith-sharing situation. But no, we argued. We argued the scriptures. Silence doesn't know a song Until I choose not to sing Michael Rydownick grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home. The person he was arguing with was a Jewish woman who had accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Michael would eventually do the same, but there was a price to pay. And the sad part of it was at that point, my dad told me he wanted nothing to do with me ever again. And and he disowned me at that point. This is part two of our conversation with Michael Rydownick. In part one, he shared the story of his parents surviving the Holocaust. In this episode, he shares the story of how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. This is GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. You're also going to hear comments Billy Graham made about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, during a visit to Israel. During every hour, night and day, devout Jews may be found at the Western Wall, called by some the Wailing Wall, bemoaning the destruction of the Temple, the loss of the Holy Ark, and praying for the coming of the Messiah. The good news is that the Messiah has come. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is ready to forgive your sins and give you a whole new life. You can learn more at findpeacewithgod.net. That address again, findpeacewithgod.net. GPS. God. People. Stories. People say, where are you from, Michael? I say the Holy Land, because that's Brooklyn. It was uh, the Jewish world of Brooklyn. Uh, I was the baby in the family, raised in this Orthodox Jewish home in Brooklyn, New York. Both of Michael's parents were survivors of the Holocaust, but virtually all of their immediate family members died in concentration camps. Some Holocaust survivors never spoke about the Holocaust to their kids. My parents only talked about it. It was a nonstop conversation. They would talk about it freely and openly in our household. And it wasn't just Michael's parents, their friends, others in the community would come together and essentially share horror stories about their experiences in the Nazi concentration camps. One of my earliest memories was sitting there, little boy playing on the floor of the dining room while my parents were talking with their friends about this. And my mom started talking about the experimental surgery the Nazis did to her eyes and that they had taken out her tear ducts surgically to see how a person uh, lubricates their eyes and how they cried without tear ducts. And I remember her describing the surgery as a, as a little boy and I was just listening. And next thing you know, I, I began to pass out. And when you pass out, you still can hear things. And I heard my mom say, go get the smelling salts. He's passed out again. And so apparently that was not the first time that happened. But that's the kind of stuff I heard all the time. They weren't very careful about what they said in front of a small child. While Michael always knew that his parents survived the Holocaust, he did not know that his mom had accepted Jesus Christ as her Messiah when she was a teenager. Yeah, what happened was when Hitler first came to power, Michael's mom was sent to live at a Lutheran orphanage, and the deaconesses who ran the orphanage 
demonstrated the love of Christ to Michael's mom in a powerful way, and that led her to believe in Jesus as Savior when she was 16. I really didn't know that she was a follower of Yeshua. I was never told growing up. The one thing I knew is that she loved those deaconesses who did all that they could to care for her. My mom corresponded with them all the time, and I would say that we had a very I didn't know she was a believer in Jesus, but she she at least taught uh, showed that there was that all Germans were not Nazis, and that there were people who did all that they could to care for her, and I I learned to appreciate that. Michael's mom lived out her faith through her actions, not her words. The first time Michael learned specifically about Jesus was through the TV when he was about nine years old. I'd watched the Charlie Brown Christmas, and I'd heard the story of the the birth of Jesus, as Linus tells it. It was the first time I ever heard anything from the New Testament. Uh, my mom had read to us from the, the Hebrew Bible. Uh, I had gone to school where we studied the Hebrew Bible in Hebrew, and we learned Hebrew that way. You know, we learned the first words of the Bible, Bereshit, Elohim, and then we would say back, in the beginning, God created. And we learned how to translate by reading the Hebrew Bible. About a year after he watched a Charlie Brown Christmas, Michael went to Israel and again heard about Jesus. I did a one-day tour into the wilderness of Judea. And as we went there and we went to Masada and places like that, uh, we went and the guide on the bus said, this is where Jesus allegedly debated with the devil. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I didn't even know who really much about Jesus, but... Uh, I came home and I said, you know, I this guy said this really interesting thing, Mom. Would it be okay? Do you think it'd be safe for me to read the New Testament? And she said, if you want to read the New Testament, you read whatever you want. That's fine. There's no hide and seek. You're always chasing me with your love, with your love. The problem with that was Michael didn't have access to a New Testament, so he wasn't able to read it then. Another time, though, against his dad's wishes, Michael's mom took her kids to see The Greatest Story Ever Told. That's a movie about the life of Jesus. So she was trying to give us uh, what she could without saying that she was a follower of Jesus. Michael's dad knew his wife was a follower of Yeshua, but he told her she had to keep it secret, and she did until Michael was about 14. My mom and dad started to have some marital issues. I, I don't know all that it was. It was maybe the, the pain of the Holocaust, and there were difficulties they were having. And so my mom was really struggling to know what to do. And so she thought that she was going to reconnect with her faith and be expressive of it more and more. She wrote to those deaconesses, seeing if there were any Jews who believed in Jesus in the United States, as a result, they said there was one, he was, happened to be the president of Chosen People Ministries. I think there were more than one, but that's the only one that they knew. And so my mom contacted Daniel Fuchs, who was the president of what is today Chosen People Ministries. And he told her about a woman Bible teacher and a congregation in Brooklyn that they had established, Bessar Shalom. And my mom went there sort of secretly to see what was what. And there she met Hilda Kozer, who was the Bible teacher. And uh, Hilda Kozer, this Jewish believer, encouraged my mom to step out and identify as a follower of Yeshua, that she needed Yeshua in her life. My dad 
she went public. She told us. She told the kids. She told my dad that she was going to do this. My dad said, if you do this, I will divorce you. He demanded that she recant her faith. Michael's mom wouldn't recant her faith, and his dad carried through on his threat to divorce her. This made Michael furious with his mother. Eventually, Michael met Hilda Kozer and was ready to let her know how he felt about what she had encouraged his mom to do. I'm going to prove this woman wrong. I'm going to show her that she doesn't know what she's talking about, and then my mom will give up this foolishness. So I challenged her. I said, I'd be happy to talk with you about this stuff because I want to show you how wrong you are. And so she said, fine. That began a series of meetings between Michael and Hilda, meetings in which they would argue about passages in the Hebrew Bible that point to the Messiah. She was passionate and smart and loving, but we really, you know, were thumping on the Bible, looking at the words, and we worked our way through the Hebrew Bible with Messianic passages. And I was sure I was right when I would argue with her, but after I would leave, I think, you know, there was more credibility to what she was saying than I thought uh, as we argued. And it bothered me that there was more in there than I thought going in. I'm looking at this and, wow, that, that seems to be very strong. And uh, certainly there were passages that reveal the coming Messiah, the future uh, as king, but there are all the, also these passages about the suffering servant. And as we worked through it, I became less convinced of my opinion. Your love is love. As Michael was working through his theological struggle, his mom began asking him to go to a service with her. He finally agreed, if for no other reason than to just keep her from pestering him. And the reason I chose the one week I was going to do it, I thought it was appropriate, because she told she had invited me again and said there was going to be a film about Israel. And I thought, well, if it's about Israel, it can't possibly be about Jesus. Well, of course, Michael was wrong. The film was produced by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and it explored biblical prophecies about Jesus. As I sat there and I watched those prophecies being described and discussed, I just thought, you know what? What if Miss Coser was right? Because it seemed to bother me that it seemed like she was. And what if they're right? If Jesus really is the Messiah, and I want to be a good Jew, then a good Jew would believe in Jesus as the Messiah. A good Jew would believe in him. Even if I was the only Jew that ever believed in him, it would still make me a good Jew because he was the one that the, the prophets foretold. And he was the one that was said to be rejected by his own people. And that made sense to me that if Jesus were the Messiah, whoever the Messiah would be, he would have to be rejected by the most of the people. And so I sat there kind of thinking this through in my head as I was getting angry and feeling, well, maybe I shouldn't be angry. Maybe this is right. At the end of the film, a leader from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association asked everyone to bow their heads. Then he said if anyone wanted to receive Jesus as their Messiah, they should raise their hand. I thought, I'm not going to raise my hand in front of all these people, but he had everyone bow their heads. And I'm still not going to do it. And I just sat there kind of, I'm not going to do this. And then I was just really kind of surprised. I was certain for that moment, all of a sudden, he really is the Messiah. So I raised my hand. And I thought, I will never tell a soul that I did this. Well, even though everyone in the congregation was supposed to have their eyes closed, 
At least one person didn't. A friend of Michael's mom peeked to see who had raised their hand. And when she saw who it was, the cover was blown. She gasped and yelled, it's Michael. His secret was out, but it wouldn't be long before Michael realized that he didn't want to keep the decision he made that day a secret. I would say that the thing that happened that day was that the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and you will be saved. And I believed. The instant I raised my hand, I believed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm safe in my father's arms. Safe in my father's arms. Oh, oh, oh. About two weeks after this, Michael told his dad about his decision to believe in Jesus. And his dad was none too happy about it. He arranged for two ultra-Orthodox rabbis to come to their house to show Michael the heir of his ways. Michael also brought two teachers to the meeting, including Hilda Kozer. Now, everyone, except Michael's dad, all had a good long discussion. But the ultra-Orthodox rabbis weren't able to answer some of Michael's key arguments. I was terrified of this meeting. And God was really gracious and helped me through it. And I felt it was the biggest challenge that I had to my faith. I was just probably two weeks in the Lord. And it gave me real encouragement, I would say, uh, that he got me through that. And the sad part of it was at that point, my dad told me he wanted nothing to do with me ever again. And, And he disowned me at that point. And I only saw him just a few times after that. Michael's father passed away in 1998 while he was living in Israel. Michael's mom had died 14 years earlier. Through the pain of the broken relationship with his dad, through his parents' passing and various other struggles in life, Michael still says Jesus has always been with him. I have always found that no matter what, that my Redeemer is faithful and true, that I that he is always gracious and kind to me and I can depend on him. And I would say that more than anything else is what I have found to be true and the guiding principle of my life, to trust that my Redeemer won't ever abandon me. He'll never leave me or forsake me, just as Hebrews says. He is faithful and true. You go before, you made a way, you rescued my soul, there's no place you As Michael Rydelnik said, Jesus will never abandon you. When you ask him to forgive your sins and take control of your life, he gives you peace and joy and purpose. You can learn more about all of this at findpeacewithgod.net. And if you are already a believer in Jesus Christ, but you still have questions that you're struggling with, or you just want to go deeper in your faith in Christ, that site's also a good resource for you. Address again is findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, Michael's going to share briefly about his brothers and sisters' faith journeys. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Today, we're in Jerusalem, called in the scriptures the city of the great king. Billy Graham. During every hour, night and day, devout Jews may be found at the western wall, called by some the Wailing Wall, bemoaning the destruction of the temple, the loss of the Holy Ark, and praying for the coming of the Messiah. The Bible says 
and there is no God else besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there's none else. Isaiah 45. This salvation was provided exclusively through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins outside the gates of Jerusalem. Jesus Christ has offered to forgive man's sin and to meet his deepest longings and meet his deepest needs. He's ready to come into your heart today if you will put your trust and your confidence in him. If you enjoy listening to messages just like the one we've heard there, vintage messages from Billy Graham, we have a couple of places you should know about. One is the Billy Graham Audio Archives. There you can listen to hundreds and hundreds of messages online. The other place is the Billy Graham Channel on Sirius XM, satellite radio channel 460. As a subscriber to Sirius XM, you can listen to the Billy Graham Channel on all of your streaming devices and many Sirius XM equipped radios and cars. All the information you need about both of these resources is at our webpage, which is billygramradio.org. That's billygramradio.org. Our guest on this episode of GPS, Michael Rydelnik, was one of four children growing up in their home in Brooklyn. All three of Michael's siblings eventually came to faith in Jesus. That's two sisters and one brother. He was always pretty hostile to my faith, though he did marry a follower of Yeshua himself, but then used to think I was a big waste. Uh, He was tragically in his 50s hit by a car and killed. And when I went to his funeral, I discovered that he had recently become a follower of Yeshua himself and was waiting for a family event that we were going to have my niece's bat mitzvah to tell us that he had become a believer. And so he was a believer, but very late in life. Uh, the day I became a follower of Yeshua, my sister Miriam trusted the Lord. She went out to lunch that day with Hilda Kozer and prayed to receive the Lord. Then I had a sister that was living on a kibbutz in Israel who was just a couple years older than me. It was interesting because she was having some medical issues, and so she thought she was going to come home and deal with the medical issues, having trouble with her eyes. And also, she thought that she would get me out of this weird group I had fallen into. She thought maybe it was a cult. And so she came and she was quite closed to faith. Uh, she she got there in July. This was April. I had come to the Lord. July, she came home. And then in October, uh, she had uh, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And the very next day after her diagnosis, she went with me to Bible study. And after the Bible study, she prayed to receive the Lord. It's a real vivid memory I have. And so both my sisters today uh, are followers of Yeshua. They're walking with the Lord. It would be our prayer that God has used some part of Michael Rydelnik's story to encourage you, to embolden you, maybe to challenge you in some way regarding your walk with Jesus Christ. If it did, chances are it will for someone you know. Would you do us a favor and share this on Facebook? And by the way, if you're not already friends with us on Facebook, you can find us by searching for Billy Graham Radio. We'd love to be friends with you. We are grateful for you and the fact that you listened. I'm Jim Kirkland.
And I'm Phil Fleischman. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. There is no hurry.